For February 27th, 2023, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 765. Your grapple with Grapple. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet, never happier than when we are spending time together talking about the things we love, or perhaps simply huddling together for warmth. I'm Matt Rather. I'm here with my good friends, Pete Fenzel. Pete, how are you? You know, I'm doing pretty good, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing extremely well here. Uh, here on the bleeding edge, uh, you know. But though, though, there's been some some uh, some uh, crazy times recently. Mark Lee, how are you? Not too bad. You know, full of Chinese food as is usually the case. So, <laughs> love to. I uh, can't complain. Love to love to love to hear it. Well, yeah. So it's been. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess it's been a week. So, so Matt, I wanted to ask you something. Oh yeah, sure. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready for is there, it. Is there anything? Is there? Is there anything like unusual? Anything strange that like doesn't normally happen to do such a thing that has fallen on your home this week? Did anything fall on your home this week? Like oh, no. any like, sort of projectile or missile or person or, sort of- or like like Santa Claus? Guys, yeah. you're thinking you're you're mixing up my life with the plot of the movie Cocaine Bear in which uh <laughs> <laughs> a load of cocaine dr- dumped out of a uh, dumped out of an airplane. A drug smuggling airplane was all ingested by one uh, tragic bear. No, yeah, we had a. Uh, I don't know if you you noticed if you, if this uh, has has reached you know other places in the country's news the way our last rainstorms did, but we had a a weekend uh, a week and weekend. Of like really severe storms, um, like blizzard warning, uh, even at the, I guess, uh, you know, blizzard warning, I guess means the snow and the, the wind and whiteout conditions in Southern California, which is so, so weird. And so I, I like, I learned a new word because I walked out of my house. I, you know, during the rainy season, we get rain. It seems like it's been more extreme in recent years than what I remember. Uh, growing up, but that's, you know, my memory is not, uh, particularly, um, you know, reliable, I suppose. But the, uh, it, it does seem like we have had some really, you know, periods of, of, of heavy rain alternating with drought. And so, you know, we had, we had one, we had a very wet, wet season this year. And so we, I'm used to the sound of the pitter patter of little, uh, little rain droplets falling on it. But sometime this week I was, I was, uh, listening and what it sounded like was that someone had made my entire house into a gaming keyboard with cherry MX red switches and was typing furiously upon that with clicks little clicks uh all over the house and i was perplexed by this and so i i walked to the window and and looked out of it as as you might imagine and i i found that the whole ground the whole thing like we have a little uh a little like um enclosed patio and like uh you know the ground outside it was all covered in little ice pellets not hail not full-on hailstones not sleet but something in between 
Hail and Sleet, which I've learned is called Groppel. Groppel. G-R-A-U-P-E-L is uh, small pellets formed when supercooled water droplets freeze onto a snow crystal. A process called, and just make sure you pronounce this one correctly, a process called rhyming. R I M I N G. If that is that is a word that is very familiar for those who play Magic: The Gathering. It is used heavily in the uh, in the cold snap setting. The word rhyme is something that is uh, very commonly used. But yeah, you mean well, I wasn't you, like you, a, uh, like a like a light rhyme ice, for example. Like, a, but like uh, it's yeah. called rhyming, not R H Y M. It's spelled R I M I N G. And when I read it, I thought, <laughs> hey. <laughs> National, uh, like, uh, Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, uh, National Severe Storms Laboratory. Hey, NSSL. <laughs> this word does not mean what you think it means. But, you know, Pete, uh, the, the, the government goes on to indicate if the rhyming is particularly intense, uh, <laughs> the rhymed snow crystal can grow to an appreciable size but remain less than 0.2 inches grapple is also called snow pellets or soft hail as the the grapple particles are particularly fragile and generally disintegrate when handled so what i found was like a stack of these little pellets they were like about the size of like a bag of frozen peas you know, uh, ice crystals that kind of looked like frozen peas. Like someone had like, you know, had a, a, I, I don't know, a strain of frozen peas, uh, that was white, that was dyed white or genetically engineered to be white. And then had just like spread out bags and bags of this. And I was like looking at this ice accumulation on the ground of my home, which I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned this, but it's in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> have I have I brought that up that I'm from here uh before on the podcast and then I looked up and there was a brilliant blue sky with the sun like shining through uh through a tree on our street like making beautiful kind of like sun dappled light patterns on the house and there was I mean not snow grapple but it was on <laughs> It was on the ground. Uh, Pete, how yes. how do you people even cope with this? How do you? <laughs> you mean you mean Matt? How do we grapple with these sorts of situations? Yeah. <laughs> it was right there. Come on, <laughs> you have to grapple with yourself. Yeah, let's talk a little bit today about this bizarre substance that we live adjacent to and around to a greater lesser or greater or lesser degree uh, because of course the grapple prevented anyone else from seeing Ant-Man other than me this past week. So we will talk about Ant-Man though either here on the podcast one week or uh or in a Pete cast, and maybe we'll see Cocaine Bear. Probably not. I think our hearts might I want to not see Ant Man. I want the intensity of it. Pete, you made me want to see Ant Man. Your description made me want to see Ant Man. So I'm I'm comfortable doing that some week when when I can do it. But it definitely was. We definitely had one of those weeks, Pete, where it was kind of like, eh, don't want to go out of the house for anything non essential because like we're not 
we're not equipped for this level of intense rain, you know, all at once. And so like our storm drains mm-hmm. get clogged, you know, or they don't, they don't flow regularly enough to, to stay clear, you know, and so they get clogged with leaves mm-hmm. and sticks and stuff like this. And so we get big backups. And so like there will just randomly be lakes, uh, you know, in intersections of streets and randomly be lakes, you know, against a particular, uh, depression in the asphalt on a, on a random residential street. And you never know you know what i mean like driving through one of those things is always a a crapshoot and the the Mm -hmm. um you know that that's anyway so like what what i want to know is how even do you cope pete what uh what even do you do with with this uh with the look i i need help guys so let's stop (laughs) let's stop collaborate (laughs) and listen and listen (laughs) so I wanted to discuss a little bit how poorly, or if not poorly, maybe I shouldn't be so judgmental, but how the correspondent truth value of cultural interpretations of ice and snow, but ice in particular, uh, how poorly they correspond to the reality of dealing with the presence of ice. Because I've been thinking about it, because we had, at the same time that you had your grapple with grapple, we had a snowstorm followed by a wintry mix and a flash freeze. Mm. So everything oh, was bad. covered in ice. Yeah, I had a I had a rough morning the other day where I got up and uh, and had to shovel. I, I had to I think it was no, I was shoveling at night. I had to shovel so many times this week. And and I was it's one of those things where once the ice gets heavy enough, I do have a snowblower because I'm a little bit farther out in the woods. So I have an electric snowblower. Uh, that I trot out for for some of these things, but for this one, the machine really couldn't stand up to the ice, so I had to to you know get struggle with it with uh, with with sinew and whatnot. Like John but, Henry um, style, huh? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, ex- uh, exactly, rough. exactly. Yeah, and it's and everything was covered with it with a bunch of ice. There are icicles on everything. Uh, we had the scary experience. Well, here I'll list a couple of experiences that I don't think of as being culturally communicated in our shared narratives and stories about ice. And then I'll also share some that are not real, but that are common, right? So like, for example, driving behind a purple car, there all of a sudden came off of it, uh, giant uh, card table sized slabs of ice that flew up and flew apart. Some went 15 feet in the air, some went to either side, one went right in front of us, but it seemed like we were in Star Fox, right? Where, where Emperor <laughs> Andrus is just spitting these polygons at you. So there, I was just mesmerized for a spare moment by the flying movement of the polygons that had come off of the car in front of us. Of course, they were all inch thick slabs of ice, and if any of them had hit our car, we could have been very badly hurt or killed. Uh, but that, you know, this is why have to clean your car off when it snows. That's that's the first thing if I want to if you take nothing else away from this podcast, take away the institutional memory of needing to clean the top of your car off if there is ice on it. Right? So like when have you ever encountered like a video game where it's like hold on a minute, there's snow here. Clear off the top of the car before you try it. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> or like a movie where it's like, okay, we got to go. We got to drive the go. Oh, no, I got to clean off the top of the car before we drive to the airport to pick up Kevin or whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, how uh, many, like, no, how I- many Grand Theft Auto games 
and not one side quest has to do with scraping the ice off of the top of the car <laughs> when you hey uh big tony needs you to scrape the ice off of his car you can use a credit card but if you beat up a guy and steal his ice scraper thing with the brush on it i guess you can use that one all right yeah. see you later kid you got to have ice scrapers. I I feel like snow removal is going to be like Roman concrete because nobody talks about it in our culture. Future generations are going to wonder how we did it. Right? Like, how do they get rid of They're like, well, there were plows, right? Well, they can't plow like in their houses. Like, how did they deal with the rest of it? I have a giant um, ice dam clearer. Uh, it's a it's a it's a stackable series of poles. Pete, this is a, this is a family. This, this is a family podcast. Can you call it like an ice <laughs> an ice darn? I have a, I have a roof rake. Ice darn clearer, yeah, an ice darn, an ice darn, yeah. I have a roof rake, by the way, now that I use to clear the gutters and tops and sides of my house when it snows. Uh, I never knew roof rakes existed before needing one. If I still didn't know that I needed one, how would I ever find out? There are no roof rakes in like Netflix's The Magicians. Like, there's no like, like how many TV shows could you watch? And like, I just picked that one at random. How many different TV shows could you watch and never encounter a roof rake? thousands probably right like never even know uh like uh and and also and even the things that you do learn from the culture are are bad so like the the most elegant definition of ice that i know is the lowering of the the acceleration that comes from applying your your yourself in the direction opposite from the way you are going, right? So like you're Mario, you're going along the ice, you push the opposite direction, the ice will make your momentum slow in reverse. You sort of accelerate in the opposite direction. It will make it slower, right? So that you will you will continue to move in the direction that you are going for longer than you otherwise would. Uh, I have never had this experience on ice, and I've had a lot of experiences on ice. Uh, the experiences that we had were more along the lines of, like, you start going and you don't stop, right? So um, we have some sleds at home. We have some plastic sleds, uh, nothing too fancy, and we haul them around the yard in the back of the house um, because if you're going to bother having a yard, you should freaking use it even when it's snowing. Um, and and uh, and we're pulling the kids around on these little sleds. And and my son is yelling for me to go faster, go faster. And I get him going. There is no stopping one of those things. Right. Like like Mm. that. That sled is going when I'm like I'm run. Imagine me running, pulling a a sort of like orange toboggan with my two year old son riding it. Right. Like over maybe three inches of snow that has been crusted over by a half inch of ice. Um, and, and he just starts sliding and he just starts going, right? It's really, and it, it's a it great lesson. When he flips over. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah it's not right. Exactly. Well, the, he stops then, you know, like it's the, it's a yeah. great, it's a refutation of the, of like, uh, Aristotle's understanding of physics, right? Like, uh, force does not overcome inertia. I had a, I had a, yeah. uh, <laughs> A high school, I had a high school, uh, physics teacher who used to like just roll his eyes and say, you, you're all such Aristotelians. You don't even know that you're Aristotelians. (laughs) You think force overcomes inertia. You have an intuition that force overcomes inertia. Imagine being you. Imagine being so stupid and thinking force overcomes inertia. (laughs) Then he made the point, he made, you know, is the point that like the smallest force will move the largest object provided it is a net force not being counteracted by other right. uh, forces like you know I don't know gravity or friction or or what have you those are the two that come to yeah. mind right and like yeah there's no way
way, there's no way to get per, per uh, purchase. There's really no way to apply, you know, Pete, because another thing you remember from high school physics is that once you start pulling the sled, we draw our circle around that entire system, you know, and you can, <laughs> you can push on the rope <laughs> of the sled. <laughs> But it's not going to do anything to to uh, to stop the to stop the sled. Isn't it funny though? Like that that um, that phenomenon is harnessed for artistic effect because, like, okay, great, it's great, it's uh, it's an adorable story for you to to play with your kids in the yard uh, when it's icy out. But um, and you know, push them around and and push them fast on a sled. That sounds delightful. I wish I wish you were around to push me on the sled. Um, but of the course, uh, anytime. but um, I uh, the, but but imagine like the ice capades, right? Like imagine you know Disney's uh, I don't know the Little Mermaid on ice, which is just a strange combination of their Beauty and the Beast on ice or Frozen on ice for one that that I don't know kind of boggles the imagination to to think how you represent ice in an ice medium. Um, it's, that's a question of aesthetics so deeply profound. It rivals, uh, a question of aesthetics that my, um, that, uh, a, a literature professor I had, uh, once asked, which is how do you throw away trash cans? <laughs> but the, you know, how, like, do you, how do you do frozen on ice? How do you do, fro- <laughs> how do you do frozen on ice? How do you represent that she's turning things to ice? You know, how do you represent that it's special that she can do this kind of move where she uh, creates an ice, you know, luge in front of her and kind of slides along it when everyone has been doing that the entire two hours of, uh, of frozen on ice? I mean, what is it, what is it about that phenomenon? Because I feel like it has a, uh, I don't know, I might be overselling this for comic effect, but like, I feel like it actually has some sort of like internal resonance of like, oh yeah, that's cool. Or it feels good. Or like, there's some, there's some way in which it makes your, uh, makes kind of the, the feeling part of your experience sing a little bit to have that experience of like, yes, I'm sliding and nothing is, nothing is stopping me, you know? And, uh, I don't know that that's cool, that that's cool. Um, and, and harnessed for artistic effect in, in, you know, the Lion King on ice you know looking at video of frozen on ice uh-huh. which i have found online <laughs> well, the, the most artistically interesting thing i've come across perhaps in in this it's very artistically interesting this proposition you've raised about what is the meaning of frozen on ice right <laughs> what, like this gap this sort of uh frozen uh, frozen valley that we found between <laughs> fictional ice and real ice um is elsa when elsa is skating around singing let it go on ice there's a gobo tracking her shining a spotlight on her and the spotlight is shaped like a snowflake <laughs> and so there's like the shape of a snowflake on the person who's actually on ice at the time so like oh i thought like, it was i thought it was a commentary on how self-involved these kids are today yeah, I mean, you mean because they because of what? Because they're all they're, they're oh, all these the snowflakes. snowflakes. They're all. <laughs> but it's like, oh no, it's not ice. It's snowflakes. Ice. You know, it's like the ice is already ice. It doesn't need to be more iceified by the lights. But because we have this notion of the shape of a snowflake as representing snow, mm. it, it 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 brings into the perception and interpretation. A double iceness, a like triple snowness. It is more snowy than snow, more icy than ice. The shape of snow, rather than its reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they also just have a bunch of props 
it looks like at some point they actually bring out they used to do a lot with the lighting. They do a lot with blue lighting versus green lighting for grass, and they roll a lot of set pieces onto the stage, including set pieces that have paintings of snowflakes on the side. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so I guess it's this idea, um, and there's a cape that's used. So, yeah, I guess they they go with the geometric qualities of freezing crystals as a signifier for freezing on the ice and ignoring the ice that you're actually skating on while you're doing it. Um, it's just, that's fascinating. And now I want to watch, I know I wish we'd watch this whole thing before we did the uh, podcast and do it just about frozen on ice. But I think they lead heavily on this one big set piece they have. That looks kind of like it belongs in a, uh, a Judas priest concert. It definitely belongs at Batman and Robin. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get there in a second. But, but before we do, like, like, I mean, what when we talk about sort of, you know, um, Various ice-related phenomena residing in a certain uncanny valley. That's kind of the whole thing. Like the appeal of ice is that it lives in an uncanny valley between like the natural and free-flowing, and then the highly structured and artificial. Right. The crystalline structure that you described there, and the importance of depicting that visually, um, and to enhance the iceness of the ice, mm-hmm. um, it is like you know key to whatever you know kind of appeal, <laughs> if you want to call it that, um, to this to this phenomenon. Like why it seems kind of otherworldly. So wait, so say that again one more time. The iceness of the ice. Because I think this is worth this is worth understanding. Really zoom in on the geometric on its geometric quality. Right. Right. Like when you when you when you like you know look at the pictures of the grapple that that Matt encountered in his lawn, it's like you know lumpy you know uh, pea sized uh, you know things of of whiteness that are cold to the touch. Um, You know, it's only when you inspect them extremely closely do you get to observe a sort of crystalline structure. Right. Um, Right. Right. And then when you blow that up. Um, that you know that it it, uh, it creates a sort of an otherworldly sensation, uh, gives an other, otherworldly quality to the ice. Yeah, like it, 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 so it's, it's artificial, too. but from yeah. but from nature as well. Right, 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 right. The, the frozen hand, the hand of ice that reaches out from the clouds. Uh, it's it's also <laughs> interesting that uh, well, because hailstones also have fascinating geometry. I've I've witnessed a few pretty big hailstorms over the years. The biggest one I've seen was the night before one of my sister's college graduations. And we went up there. This was in upstate New York. And there was hail, you know, the size of, what, uh, polyploidic grapes. Like, I can't come up with a good, smaller than a golf ball, bigger than a marble, right? Pretty big hail all over the place. But the the sort of clouded over, the sort of croissant of frozenness that is a hailstone is fascinating, right? Because the, you think of the crystalline structure of the snowflake and the... Uh, Whereas the 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 hailstone is not a crystal, right? The hailstone is is a layering. It's a sediment, right? It's a um, I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a phyllo. It's a pastry of snow, <laughs> right? Like um, where like the the particle is kind of going up and down and up and down inside the clouds, and and it's being sort of slathered and layered in in water and ice that water that freezes and water that freezes until it becomes this big ball, and then it launches itself on the ground and hits the top of the auto parts shop, so that uh, they have to file an expensive insurance claim uh, to replace their roof. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, it's like but the the shape of snow as it relates to snowflakes is most apparent in my experience when it is relatively warm because the snowflakes are bigger, right? Like the colder Mm. it gets, the smaller the snowflakes are and the less likely you are to notice their crystalline structure, I think. Because when they get bigger, it gets clumpier and you sort of see the branches with the naked eye more clearly, right? And But then that's also the time where it's least likely to stick. And so in certain cases, the most snowy snow happens when it's the least snowy. And the iciest ice 
looks the least like ice because it, it is like cannonballs or strange rain, right? Or like, um, or other sorts of things. I guess that's another thing is the icicle is another, uh, another aspect of ice that gets translated into the culture, particularly through video game design, where it is a characteristic of ice that it falls in knives that will kill you if you hit it. Right. Like that. It, and it will fall. Oh, so slowly. I think, isn't it a characteristic, a natural characteristic of ice as it's communicated in video games is that it stays attached to the roof until you walk close to it. <laughs> and then when you walk close to it, it will break off and fall slowly towards you. At which point, what you have to do is run really fast on the ice. <laughs> I, I mean, I, di- I just did the Konami code so that, you know, I had 30 <laughs> lives and I could just like burn it. I could burn one. On the on the ice Man. levels, I think that the crystalline structure of snow is different from the crystalline structure of ice that has to do oh, with yeah. how it's how it's uh, different because snow uh, my uh, my friends, my, um, you know, friends at, at the Nissel Nissel, uh, the <laughs> NOAA National Severe Storms Laboratory uh, tell me that snow uh, forms when water vapor turns to ice without going through the liquid stage. Uh, this process is right. called deposition, which is different from rhyming. Um, the the uh, so snow. It would be really rude to rhyme in a deposition. You don't want to do that. Johnny Cochran could pull it off, but you can't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but that uh, right that that like so that creates the the kind of the characteristic like uh, snowflake shape, kind of geometric. You know. Um, I don't even know what to call it. The kind of starfish shape of, of snow. Is that the, like the star like, uh, shape of snow? I'm, t- I'm trying to think of what, what, uh, vehicle I can use for this metaphor. And I don't have one because actually snowflake is the only, is the only one that, that exists. But ice, uh, lines up, you know, because of the way the kind of, well, I conceive of it as a triangle. It's probably not a triangle in, in nature, but the way that two, uh, hydrogen, atoms bond to an oxygen atom you know i think of it as creating kind of a v and then you can kind of stack the v's together you know so and that that creates this like uh or uh crystalline structure um ordered crystalline structure that uh makes ice considered to be a a mineral um so that's the you know i don't know that but the it's i guess why and those those different shapes is why you know ice ice falls at you and and uh knocks on your head and the um and you know snow snow falls gentle layer gentle cat the snow comes on what was it gentle cat feet Pete? uh i, I forget the the <laughs> the poem yeah you should probably mention like fractals in some way as relating to snowflakes right just because, um, just because Elsa does when she sings "Let It Go," but the, no, does she? She she checks out fractals. Yeah, the the oh, the, yeah. the snow is spiraling in frozen fractals all around. Um, yeah, and I I always Wait, wonder this music is not on repeat for your children in your household. Not yet. Okay, soon. Very intimately soon. soon. You always want what you can't have. We play Moana a lot up here. Uh. <laughs> we want the warmth. <laughs> what can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> but yeah, we you know he does like Frozen. I told you guys that that even from a very young age, my son knew that something bad happened halfway through. Would you like to build a snowman? And his response to it is merely to like refuse to watch that part of the song. Oh. It is just he gets to the boat and he's like, yeah, beginning. 
Eh, the beginning. Go to the beginning. <laughs> I don't want to watch this part. <laughs> he doesn't know what it is, but he knows that something is bad. Um, so that's good. I'm glad that he is uh, doing that part of it for me. That, that part of like, uh, you know, papering over that particular uh, pitfall that stands below the human psychic experience for at least a little while. I feel like. Um, but feel, yeah, yeah. I feel like I wanted uh, to turn the page a little bit and talk about uh, snow and ice in 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 the popular culture. And I'll, yes, I'll yes, begin. Yes. I'll begin with this. So I'm, I'm going to do my best Robert Frost impression. Uh, some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if I had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. I thought you were going to do that in the Schwarzenegger accent. Nah. So, some, some say the world, ice is also great. Some say ice, ice is also great. The Iceman cometh. Yeah, so uh, with that, with that as a little palate, as a little palate cleanser, as a little sorbet, as a little flavorless sorbet oh, yeah. of snow on the <laughs> on the tongue. Uh, just hit the roof of your car and cause $200 worth of damage. A little sorbet. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> the, uh, uh, Mark, the Iceman cometh. He came with. Yeah, he's out of here. He's always with us. Um, I don't know. But- yeah, so you, we, someone named checked Batman and Robin earlier. So we, we must in this, uh, in this conference, in this very kind of you know, uh, a meandering conversation about ice, uh, talk about Mister uh, Dr. Was it Mister Freeze? Is it Doctor Freeze? Oh my gosh! Why am I? Why is? Why he's, am I having? A he brain is freeze? a doctor, but it's Mister Freeze is the name but, of the well, villain. So right? confusing. Yeah. <laughs> he's the only put that one. out there, right? He's the only fictional character with a PhD who doesn't want you to talk about it. I think. Yeah, right? he, didn't, he didn't spend eight years. In, to paraphrase Doctor Evil, he didn't spend eight years in ice uh, in an ice doctor program to be called Mister Freeze. He's Doctor. I, I have to double check this now. I have to fact check this. Does Mister Freeze have a PhD? Uh, <laughs> Or merely a doctor of philosophy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He is a doctor, Phil. Uh, does Mr. Freeze have a PhD? Uh, well, okay. Why, why are you looking at it up? Can we just like just all circle up on the status of um, references to Mr. Freeze from the 90s movie Batman and Robin? Right. Like now me being a 40 year old male born in the United States who was you know a teenager in the 90s. I love referencing Mr. Freeze. I think it's hilarious. Look. When the weather's cold and, um, you know, people are talking about on the office slack and need to drop a little moment of levity, um, you know, to show that you're a fun, loosey goosey kind of guy. <laughs> a gift of Mr. Freeze saying, all right, everybody, chill. <laughs> <laughs> to me, uh, really, you know, uh, adds a much needed levity. Uh, to the moment and enhances corporate culture. I wonder. Um, I wonder my, why. When my, did that my be- Zoomer, my Zoomer, my Zoomer employees probably think that I'm a ridiculous old man, but uh, the, the truth probably is somewhere in between uh, where I stand and where they stand. Yeah, but that's that's gr- like what makes that okay? You know, like I'm sure there are a lot more recent uh, examples of stuff that might not be as good. You know. Um, like I don't know, like someone offering a Pepsi to a line of soldiers, right, at a Black Lives Matter protest or something like, uh, you know, to to <laughs> to to indicate man that, we- that brought that back. That feels like it was a hundred years ago, man. That, uh, <laughs> that, that, that happened. commercial, man. Uh, that you know that right that that's like um, 
you know, uh, different from uh, uh, different from that. Like, how how can that? Well, I guess it's not as as sort of it doesn't have the same political valence in in any case. But is it that it's Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is it that I guess it's really that time has passed where these things become you know, uh, capable of, uh, of conveying the idea of, all right, you're all kind of, you're all kind of edged up close to the line. Simmer down now, Zoomer employees of Mark Lee. Uh, you know, <laughs> that like, uh, y'all gotta, y'all gotta relax a little bit, you know. To, to, to be clear, I was like, I was first, I was started talking about like, you know, uh, just as, as a way to talk about the weather, like, you know, li- like the literal presence of ice and snow. Uh-huh. Um, but you can also apply, you know, if a conversation is getting heated, um, to tell everybody, all right, everyone, chill. Um, you know, with a reference to Mister Freeze, like, yeah, that works as well too. Um, I, either way, right? If I am bringing Mister Freeze to the conversation, um, mm-hmm. with a you know diverse workforce of people who were born in uh, all sorts of years that are not uh, you know in the eighties, so that they were teenagers in the nineties, in um, I uh, am probably assuming a lot <laughs> that the world revolves around me and my particular. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, affinities for pop culture. Um, so, which I, that's the question for you, uh, Pete and Matt, right? Like, what is the status of Mr. Freeze in this pop culture? I mean, I have an idea, but Matt, I did a lot of talking. Do you have an idea you want to try it out there? I mean, I just, I guess I want to say that, like, I think that Batman and Robin is the, the, I believe, the Joel Schumacher, um, Batman movie. Mm-hmm. It, it was his last one. Yeah. Yeah. The second Joel Schumacher. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that, that, I don't know. I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for just the insane. I mean, now, now we're all like, Hey, uh, we want all these auteur filmmakers coming into, uh, coming into, you know, the Marvel cinematic universe or something, or like James Gunn is going to save DC. Okay. Good, good luck. Um, the, like that, you know, we want these things to have like uh, original voices. I mean, I, I don't think they actually do, but that's, you know, that's the lip service that's paid. And the amount of original voice that Joel Schumacher brought to Batman and Robin, um, was just, and, and his, uh, his other Batman movie, which was what Batman forever. Uh, I forget yep. what his, yep. yeah. Uh, and that like, they're, they're, they're insane. Um, they're, they're just fantastic. You know, the, the amount of campiness, uh, and, and all that, that he got, um, uh, you know, that, that he sort of imported from his, his own, uh, cultural predilections and and uh and predispositions but i sorry pete i had nothing useful to, to add to the conversation at this part so if you want to talk about arnold schwarzenegger and and uh mr freeze phd uh, by all means well so mark bringing this up and you also bringing up was it kylie jenner who did the pepsi commercial where she managed to alleviate no it was, uh, concerns it was uh, and fears it was- about it was Kendall, Kendall Jenner. Jenner. Yeah, uh, Kylie Jenner is like okay. a uh, is like a makeup mogul. Uh, Kendall Jenner is okay. a model is a model, and so does things like does a commercial. You know, in the in the sense of doing yeah. a commercial. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about ice and cold. It's <laughs> ice to meet you. Uh, all, <laughs> this this is coming off the coming off the dome, as it were, the ice dome, uh, the igloo. That's an ice dome. Uh, thinking about this example in particular, because it really does feel to me like I forget which one you just said, Kendall Jenner or Kylie Jenner. I sure. forgot again. It doesn't matter. 
Um, her giving the Pepsi to the cop in the commercial to me feels like a farther away part of the distant past than Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Mr. Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that I would, even though one of them is like 20 years earlier than the other, and one of them was actually comparatively quite recent. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if she was alive when that movie came out. <laughs> but all remembering is re-remembering, Right. So, like, every time you think of something that you've thought of before, you are reconjuring it in your brain. And when you remember it again, it's after you've remembered it this time, right? So there's this sort of constant transcription and copying uh, that is happening as you kind of re-remember and restore memories in your brain through these patterns and neural connections in your brain. That's my understanding of it anyway. Um, and thus, you know, you can change the way you remember things over time. Uh, by, you know, making, you know, small changes and, you know, I misremembered it this one time and then I misremembered it again more. And then over time it sort of drifts and becomes a different sort of story than it was when it started out. Um, cold and ice are such presences and they are so universal in their, uh, presence and application if they're part of your life at all, which, which I guess we could, we could go deeper on it and say like, you know, refrigeration is kind of a big deal with the culture of, of ice, right? Because like being able to make things cold in your home was not always a thing that you could do. Uh, and, uh, and until quite recently, in fact, no, and, and, and uh, I mean, the way of, the way of doing it was to dig a pit outside, you know, so that it was kind of geo, it was cooled because it's a, a pit in the earth and line it with ice that had been cut out of a, you know, of a frozen lake during the winter, right? Like, uh, I don't know, packed in sawdust. Uh, to keep it insulated, I guess. And then like trucked to you, not trucked, wagoned to you on a wagon, right? To go into your, uh, to go into your ice pit, you know? I mean, I, any, any yeah. of you homeowners out there, any of you have an ice pit? Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it sometimes, that's for sure. Um, but I guess what I'm thinking is that whenever you re-remember Mr. Freeze, you're associating it with something that's recent and familiar to you, which is some sort of interaction with things being cold, <laughs> which is a sensory memory, which is going to make it even more evocative. You know, the idea of remembering smells, remembering touches and feelings as as that that to me historically has felt like it conjures more authenticity and immediacy than attempting to remember just meanings and, and semantics and stuff. And when I coached you know, performers, I would try to coach, you know, sense memory as a way of reaching for performance, uh, particularly as it relates to developing specifics and detail in accordance with your memories Wait, and for, to transpose into other situations. For improvisers? Yeah, I would try it with improv. I did a lot of stuff. I tried a lot of stuff with like, improvisers. Like, you know, so. when you do the trope where you're, uh, you start a scene by being a doctor and you're like, uh, you know, uh, affixing uh, x-rays to the wall, the fourth wall downstage so that both of you can kind of stare downstage into the audience. Like when, when you're starting your improv scenes with the same old trope over and over and over, when you're just doing this, when every scene <laughs> is in, is in a doctor's you never office. Saw a lot of my improv shows. Whenever, whenever you do this, this scene's in a doctor's <laughs> office. 
Travis, weird. remember what it feels like to hold film in your hand. That's yeah, that. and that's probably going to be the best part of the scene. <laughs> Just remember, remember that like a chucka 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 noise, you know, that it makes like a an old transparency, an old overhead projector transparency when you like shake it in your hand when you try to fan it. The the plastic acetate sheet, like chucka chucka chucka, you know, the way it, it sort of makes that. Remember that? Are you thinking of it? Are you thinking of that specific one? I'm sorry, I worked with a <laughs> I worked with an acting teacher oh, yeah. trained by Lee Strasberg, so I have I have uh, uh, both. Uh, a, uh, I've, I've kind of an antipathy to, to sense memory, but there, there you well, go. So, okay, so to be a little more fair, it is a good way mostly... to create behavior. It's a good way to create, you know, behavior and like, you know, especially in like extreme extreme states, like cold or something like that, which I guess would be useful as an improv performer or something. It, it's also it, it was we would use I use it in idea generation. I would ah. I would suggest that people use it in content generation. So if there's a portion of the show where you're coming up with ideas that you're sharing with the teammates that are going to be fleshed out later, Mm -hmm. then if you have something to share, leaning towards sharing it in terms of sense memory makes it more accessible to other people. Because if you just say what it is, they won't necessarily have their own frame of reference to deal with Mm -hmm. it. So like, so like a good, I mean, if you really want me to flesh this out a little bit more, um, the, I used to, we we did an opening for a while. Yeah. You did an opening. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Just really quickly. We did an opening for a while where we would try, I would try to have people connect ideas through causes, right? So here's something that happened and here's something that caused it and here's something that caused it and here's something that caused that with the idea that you would develop a kind of network of interrelated things and that you might then be able to use that network of interrelated things to like uh, come up with funny and innovative, interesting insights and juxtapositions like wacky sort of, this is why I like quantum mania kind of thing, right? The problem is that if you do it that way, Everything ended up being geopolitics, geology, or like cosmology, right? Because cause, 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 everything gets very big, everything gets very conceptual, and everything loses the aspect of it being of a person participating in it, right? So like one of the things that tying ideas to sense memory does is it is it locates it in the scale of what a person can experience. Um, not necessarily because the sense memory itself is the most authentic way of doing it, but because you can't sense memory experience things that humans can't be present for. Right. So like like um, if instead the opening is you move away from that and it's like, okay, you know, we're in a ski lodge. You don't just have hot chocolate. You smell the hot chocolate. Why do you smell the hot chocolate? Not necessarily for the Lee Strasberg reason of it being like the purest way to communicate to the audience that you have hot chocolate. But because when you when you smell the hot chocolate, the other person will have a memory of theirs. Right. Because you can remember smells better than you can remember uh, words. Right. So like. I don't want you to remember that there's a cup of hot chocolate. I want you to remember a time that you smelled hot chocolate Mm -hmm. because then you can pull in all the ideas that are connected to it. And it's like, okay, what's the time you smelled hot chocolate? Um, How about that time that I was cleaning – I was shoveling driveways for the Boy Scouts and then there was like one pitcher of like ratty, tepid hot chocolate with really, really aggressively minty marshmallows in it, right? (laughs) And I could could tell you the sweatshirts the people were wearing. I could tell you the different stupid hats. You know, I could tell you how my shoes, my totally inadequate shoes felt. And any one of those things can be a place where I can go with it. But I can only get there if I think about the smell. 
right? Um, and that's and, and, that, and yeah, absolutely. That, and I, I feel my toes. I feel my toes getting kind of like uh, hard and kind of aching, you know, in my inadequate yeah. shoes and my my uh, you know cotton socks, which have gotten wet, obviously, right? Like because you know the the shoes are not waterproof, and I, I'm not wearing wool socks the way I should be in the uh, in the winter. And and they've uh, that man, Pete. It's already it's already working. I, I want to found an improv troupe now. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if we go back to Mr. Freeze, I think a lot of his puns take on an additional layer of punitude, jumping off of all this. If you think of them as juxtaposing threatening and completely non-threatening uh, like ex- human experiences that happen on the scale of a human being, which is funny because with Batman, everything is sort of blown out and ridiculous and crazy. So but if he's like ice to meet you right like one of the one of the things is nice to meet you right like one of the aspects of this is like i'm a strange person you haven't met me before i'm going to introduce myself maybe i'm overcompensating because i'm a little bit anxious right like nice to meet you has this uh dynamic to it that feels very personal uh, personal right um but ice saying ice like that is like oh that's cool Right. Like we can sort of all remember a time Ooh. when ice like felt really cold. Like I ate that Klondike bar and my hands hurt because it's so cold. Ooh, it's ice. Right. It's not something like really terribly threatening, you know, even though ice is very dangerous in its own way. But like stay cool. And it's sort of, sort of like one edge of it is like a very harmless, very friendly, sort of self-conscious kind of statement that a person might make and don't know how to make conversation. And then the other side of it is reminding you of an intense feeling you had about something that was relatively harmless. And so all of this juxtaposed with Arnold Schwarzenegger in a skeleton suit shooting a laser beam at everybody. <laughs> that's that's kind of where the funniness comes from, I think. And it's that, it's that ice is always ice. You know, cold is always cold. Um, and And what's cooler than being cool? You know, ice cold. I mean, that that's the other juxtaposition, right? It's like um, the uh, – I mean, that gets into a whole, whole deep thing, which is the use of the term cool as a counterbalance to the expectation of not being able to emotionally control yourself. Oh, Pete, you can be right? my wingman like, anytime. <laughs> mm. Yes, that that cool people are people who, even when they ought to be losing their composure, are able to control themselves, uh, which is the opposite of a snowstorm, right? Which is when nothing can be controlled. Sure, right? and that's. And so I like, mean, I think the you know, the the phrase, right? Um, at least the the. <laughs> current phrase that I'm aware of is like, stay frosty. You know what I mean? If you're like, if you need to be alert for something, you know, stay frosty, which kind of means don't get too worked up, you know, like even, even if you have, even if you are a specialist in violence, like even if you're like, uh, you know, in uh, doing a military reconnaissance mission or something like that, stay frosty, you know, the, the, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm put in mind of another poem, which Pete, I'm sure you're, you, you've, uh, has occurred to you as well, which is the snow man by Wallace. Stevens. Very important that it's it's the uh, the snow man and not the snowman. Um, I, you know, I don't know, Peter. Peter are you a big Wallace Stevens guy, or you? It seems like he would be up your alley. I really like Wallace Stevens. Yeah. I haven't read him in a while, but I really enjoy him. Uh, he worked insurance. <laughs> he wrote his poems at night when we do podcasts. You know. Yep. Um, all right. This is like uh, f- 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 for 15 lines long and they're short. So I can, I can, I think read this whole thing into the, uh, the record. The Snow Man by Wallace Stevens. One must have a mind of winter to regard the frost and the boughs of the pine trees crusted with snow. 
and have been cold a long time to behold the junipers shagged with ice, the spruces rough in the distant glitter of the January sun, and not to think of any misery in the sound of the wind, in the sound of a few leaves, which is the sound of the land full of the same wind that is blowing in the same bare place for the listener who listens in the snow and nothing himself beholds nothing that is not there and the nothing that is. I mean, that's, that's Val Kilmer, right? Like that, that's obviously, it's a poem about Val Kilmer. That's, uh, also uh, in Batman forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, what that, we're that, saying like, is that Val Kilmer's the coolest guy. That right? actually, that like, <laughs> one of the one of the things. I mean, this poem, this like glorious poem, invites you to to contemplate like a, a snowman, like what what it might mean for the the kind of like the human qualities of um the human qualities of of a person all that we might be called he might be called warmth you know in a person be kind of replaced with snow and it's it's really specifically described as kind of not getting involved right like you have to have a mind of winter which is delightful uh the the use of of in that uh in that um that phrase and have been cold a long time not to think of misery not to think uh of misery in the sound of the wind in the sound of a few leaves the sound of the land full of the same wind that is blowing in the same bare place right like it's it is a kind of abstention from sentimentality Right. And that's, that's, uh, the, the iciness of ice men, snowmen and ice men. Um, those, those snowmen are fluffy and ice men are hard. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but run if you must when one comes in your yard. The, uh, the, uh, snowmen and I, and, and ice men, right? Like it's the, it's the lack of, of sentimentality that makes you, you know, I don't know, that makes you icy and that makes you, uh, that makes you snowy, that makes you kind of cold in a place where there ought to be warmth. You know what this is adding for me, hmm. and I want to kick it back to Mark for some for some commentary too, because I feel like I've been going off on this. But it really makes me think of Phil Hartman's unfrozen caveman lawyer character, <laughs> who is both cool and not cool, right, <laughs> in various different respects. Because one of the other things, because when you were re- talking about that Wall Stevens poem, you read that Wall Stevens poem and talking about looking at a frozen juniper bush and not thinking about how much it would hurt, right? to be out there in the freezing cold or, or how dangerous it would be or what is die like mm. in, in this, in this deep freeze. Um, we have this idea in fiction of the person frozen in ice, you know, Captain America mm, frozen in mm-hmm. ice, the caveman frozen in ice. And this notion of just being preserved in the ice and then kind of waking up later and being totally fine <laughs> as if nothing bad has happened, which, which definitely, which to me feels like it is detaching to an extent from the, uh, the kind of idea of a person that's being expressed in that Wallace Stevens poem. And then I'm thinking of the unfrozen caveman lawyer where the joke is that he's not, he's not a caveman. He's just a lawyer, right? (laughs) There's nothing about him. There's nothing about him. That's like particularly interesting regards to him being unfrozen in a caveman, but he trots it. He, he, he just flouts, flaunts it over everybody, right? He's like, he brings it out over everybody. He's like, I'm just a simple caveman and I don't really understand your customs. Right. But, uh, I mean, this is clearly a tort, you know, and whatever. And he, uh, and he's got his car phone and he's got his like eighties shoulder pad suit. But I guess part of it also is that he's cold, 
right? That he's indifferent, huh, huh. Uh, that he's cool. He, he's not cold. He's cool. Um, and, and it is the fact that he's cool. Uh, he's cool because he doesn't remember that he was cold. He <laughs> says that he was never cold and thus he can afford to be cool. Um, because he's in California, of course, where ice never falls from the sky mm. uh, and everything's always sunny. Now, now Pete, I wasn't sure if you wanted to, for me to take the conversation about the Schwarzenegger, but I want to keep talking. Oh, by all means, go for it. Un- go for it. But no, I actually want to learn more about this unfrozen caveman lawyer character. Um, this is this is a blind spot for me. Uh, oh, wow. 90s pop culture um, uh, cosmology. Uh, so my main question to you, Pete, is like, how is he signified as either being unfrozen or and or being a caveman visually? Because you just name checked a few things about oh. the as a lawyer, like the, like the car phone. Um, but like, you know, well, like this is, this being SNL, it's broad humor. It's gotta be visual. Right. So like, you know, uh, what does he get? Like a lot of facial hair. He has very elaborate facial makeup and a ridiculous wig. <laughs> I'm going to send right. you a picture right now. I don't know whether Please. this is going to end up being the picture, uh, for the podcast. Maybe not, but, um, <laughs> he has like a, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, He's with, imagine wow. him wearing a pinstripe suit with a big red power tie uh right and like a light blue shirt and then a, just a big shaggy steven tyler wig with like heavy prosthetics on his brow and nose we kind of squinted together eyebrows right like a deep <laughs> shadow falling over his face and then he comes there and he's like i might be a simple caveman but my client can't have known that any of the people you know doesn't even know that the asbestos was present in the property right like it's uh he, and he basically just like makes very smooth talking arguments, uh, odd cavemanum to support his. Uh, <laughs> 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 okay. uh, that uh, is argumentum yeah. ad hominid. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> Your world frightens and confuses me. <laughs> yeah, we should link to these sketches. These are funny sketches. I I never thought of them as having such a deep relationship with cold and coolness. Uh, as as uh, as they do, but it feels very natural now. Um, Phil Hartman was was a very cool guy, um, though I think a, a cool guy who was acquainted with the cold, which I think is part of the joke, I suppose. Um, um, Mark, close the, smile. close yeah. the loop on Arnold, Mark, for us. Sure, yeah, so a couple of things. Um, the, the, the actually touch on things that both you, Pete, and Matt uh, brought up earlier, much earlier in the conversation, but still, like, you know, there are thoughts right on my brain. Um, one is that, Pete, your description of, like, kind of the... Um, evoking the evocative quality power of senses and memory and things like that. Like um, I'd never heard that before. So that was very interesting to hear just generally. And then also specifically to apply to the Schwarzenegger and Mr. Freeze character. Like it does do a lot to explain um, uh, kind of the, 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 the appeal appeal might not be the correct word, uh, the the correct word in in this situation, but uh, the stickiness perhaps um, of that particular character among the many, many, many characters that Arnold Schwarzenegger played. Like he was the only one that was like, you know, elemental to uh, elemental in that way. And like really evoc- evoked um, that particular uh, sensory sort of thing. Um, so specifically that is um, the other thing, going back to what, what Matt said uh, about Joel Schumacher and like that particular era of filmmaking and things like that. Like, I feel like something we talked about on this podcast or, or like, you know, we've or, and, or is out in the discourse a lot is the, like, you know the the weirdness of the '90s um, is uh, it, it drives a lot of that kind of the, the whole nostalgia plays that we get for various '90s pop culture things and like um, as um, 
industries changed and got more sophisticated and particularly as a technology information revolution put lots of pressure on business to be less risky um that sanded off a lot of rough edges in the pop culture um which is why we have uh you know uh very polished sort of products that uh lack um the sense of whimsy and risk and inventiveness of something like a Joel Schumacher Batman movie. Like I, I uh, like that, that I'm willing to say that that's probably not going to happen again. <laughs> like no one's going to take a, like, you know, a, a big superhero franchise um, and do something. So out of the, uh, 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 out of left field. Sure. I mean, like not that. in that, so, not in that medium, but like the thing, I don't know the, 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 um, I once had this conversation with, with overthinker Matt Belinky, right? That, and I, Blinky and I were talking and I made the point to him that like, it was at the early days of internet, the internet video. And I made the point that like, right now, most of the video you see is television and, and films is in, is in fiction. But if you look in a bookstore, you know, a, a big bookstore, like a Barnes and Noble or something like that, or a Borders was a thing at the time, speaking of the nineties, right? It was, um, it was like, uh, if you look at, at books, a mature, uh, medium that like uh, the 80% of it was nonfiction and 20% of it was, was fiction. And that like our video ecosystem would come to, to reflect that. And Matt was not buying it for me. He said, well, you're saying that 80% of movies are going to be documentaries, right? Like, and it's, no, I'm saying that movies are going to become less and less of the way that you interact, uh, you interact with video. And Mark, I think something similar is, is happening here that like, it's not, it's the, you know, it's the, the waning of the superhero franchise as an important cultural phenomenon, right? To me, that's the story in what you're saying, you know, rather, th- rather than that, because like, you know, they're going to go, someone's going to go and find that, like, uh, you know, that, that path breaking and, and unique voice, but they're going to do it on like, I don't know, they're going to do it on, on, uh, on cell phones, on, you know, some app or something like that, right? And like the, the, all that, all that path breaking work is going to be done on a, you know, more nascent medium than one that's, that's, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, one that, one that is kind of in its, in its waning years, like, uh, like films. Though, you know, I don't know. I think vinyl records outsold CDs last year. So you, you never know. It could, it could come back. There's a reason to be hopeful, Mark. There's a reason to be hopeful that, uh, we'll get an, another, and, and maybe Arnold will reprise his role. As as Mr. Freeze PhD. <laughs> Arnold shall Arnold shall restore amends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I let me I, let me bring it home with a little with a little observation. I think that there's there's something interesting here. Um you know, and I, I, I want to return to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, and that is cocaine bear. Uh and uh <laughs> the thing about bears <laughs> didn't see that coming. The thing about bears symbolically is that they are symbolically bimodal. Um, they have a, a, an aspect that is really sort of sweet and domesticated, like a child's teddy bear, and, and an atmosphere that is, you know, really ferocious and threatening, like, like a bear high on cocaine rampaging through your backyard. No, like, uh, like, uh, Exeunt pursued by a bear in, um, in, what is it? The Winter's Tale, I think. Shakespeare's The Winter's Tale. And, and that 
ice in the way that we've been talking about it, you know, has something like, has something like that. Like Pete was remarking on Wallace Stevenson saying like, looking at like an icy juniper bush, you think about how much that would hurt to be out in that cold or how much it would be, would hurt to be, to be stabbed by that, you know, <laughs> icy juniper, uh, branch of icy juniper bush. It's stabbed. And then I'd say, Matt, stop stabbing me with that icy see juniper bush uh and i'd say no pete it's for the podcast <laughs> let's keep let's uh let's keep going but the the um the uh verb there is this the spruce uh, the uh juniper shagged with ice as though the kind of the shaggy the the ice made them shaggy made them like fluffy and adorable in in the thing in the in the the image there rather than being you know uh, threatening and and cold and there's this there's this like bimodal kind of symbolism of of ice as well as this sort of like primal threat you know uh let's not even talk about the gray uh, right, like uh, it's not even. T- <laughs> I mean, that's, that's Doesn't matter. Wolves, yeah, sure. wolves, wolves don't matter. Only ice matters. Only ice, and you know. Um, but the the uh, you know the ice is a primal threat. But then there's also kind of a thing of like ice as uh ice that's been domesticated like in the kind of the the elegance of manipulating refrigeration like ice cubes i think i think my my uh, w- one family story that we have from growing up is that i think my brother said the first time he saw snow uh like look mama ice cubes from the sky right and so there was there's a reference that he had that that child you know he as a young child he had to uh, he was 28 years old uh when he said that he's he's an idiot we're we're all embarrassed by him no uh, he was a, a young child and he had a reference by the, um, uh, for what ice was not in this sort of, you know, natural, uh, threat type of, uh, valence register, but in the register of like a, a domestic thing where like, Hey, I want, I want, you know, ice in my sprite or I want ice, you know, I want to play with an ice cube or, or something like that. Right. Like that. It's, it's part like I, I am, uh, uh, married more recently than you two, so closer to the point at which your your friends give you off of a registry a whole bunch of uh, pointless household gadgets that go in a closet and never never get used again. But I'm being I, Pete. I don't I, I don't recall you being a cocktail guy, but Mark, I know you're you're a cocktail guy, right? And that um that well, like can be the ice password, sure. Well, the ice in cocktails is one of those things that you can get really douchey about. You can get really like uh, connoisseury about and like how the ice what 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 is in the water that goes into the uh that goes into the ice and how the ice was frozen and whether the impurities uh are in the ice and you chisel and and do the ice and like that that anything i mean anything that results in this level of uh you know sort of hipster debaggery right like uh can it represents a not so much an ennobling as a as a you know kind of fearful domestication uh, of a power that that we know is uh, so much greater than us and so much more uh, more threatening than us, uh, like my adorable Basset Hound, um, who is not a character in The Gray, starring Liam Neeson, but uh, in- instead, you know, uh, drools on my lap uh, every night while while I sit on the couch watching The Gray by Liam Neeson, watching Batman and Robin, uh, directed by uh, Joel Schumacher, watching um, you know the ice melt in my craft cocktail and thinking. Um, you know, of the nothing that is not there and the nothing 
That is. Cocaine Bear, thanks very much uh, for listening. Mark and Pete, <laughs> thanks, thanks for podcasting with us. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, th- Icecast 23. Uh, we'll be back next week. Actually, Icecast, I think, is a is a piece of software, piece of open source software for, for streaming. I looked at it when we were doing these uh, we were doing these live at one point and looked at that as a, a thing for it. But hey, we don't do them live. We record them, and you've just listened to one, and there will be another one next week. If, you, if you're not satisfied till then, if you want more Ice discourse drink drink your drink your artisanal cocktail with ice in it uh the uh you'll find it at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it It probably doesn't doesn't deserve. deserve on ice